I've, uh, I, I'm going to tell you a little transparent story. So Thursday, I had this whole sermon to finish up this series. And I'd been working on it all day. And I looked at it one more time before I left for the afternoon and went, that's not it. <laughs> so I got, a, I got this awesome sermon that you're going to hear at some point, but it's not today. Uh, I mean, you're going to hear an awesome sermon today, but it's a different awesome sermon than the one you got it. See, when we started this series, I, I so desperately in my heart felt like what, what the Lord wanted to share with us was all the other three weeks got us here. Because this identity idea is not just who you are, but why you are. And, and, and my heart, I've, I've always loved the idea that God had a plan and a purpose for all of us. I, I don't know about you, but even in my, in my youth, that idea that God had a plan for my life w was what kept me going. It it's, what, it's what brought some purpose into my existence. And, and now, many years later, it's still what, what gets me going in the morning. To know that God's ordained this day, and He's ordained my life, and He's ordained my my. my uh, this day, and he's ordained all that's going to happen, it, that God's got a plan, and God's got a purpose for Dwayne. And, and, and what I want you to hear from my heart this morning is that, that God's got a purpose for Dwayne. He's, he's got one for you. And we get so discombobulated with that word purpose. And I don't want you to do that today. I, want, I, hope, that, I hope I can make this clear today, what God's laid on my heart. So we started in week one that talking about how you're created in the image of God. Do you believe that, by the way? Do you believe that an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-perfect being formed this world and then his greatest act of creation was you? See, you, you kicked back when I said that. You, you, I had you at created the world and then when I said his greatest act of creation was you, you went, I don't know. You're created in his image, and you're created on purpose, for a purpose. That's what we said in week one. Then week two, we talked about the price that was paid for us, that we were redeemed and forgiven. And the same God that spoke the world into existence sent his only son so you could know him and you could have life be forgiven. And then last week we said we found our identity in following Christ. And those are very, there are three very specific what's of who you are. Today I, I want us to get to the why. Because I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that if the enemy can cause you to think that your life doesn't matter, 
If he can cause you to believe that you're insignificant, if he can cause you to believe that you're really not making that big a difference in the world, if he can cause you to believe that if you weren't here, that it really wouldn't matter to a, a, a bunch of people. And I'm going to tell you that God spoke this world into existence and his greatest creation was you. And I'm sure that you, like me, don't feel that way sometimes. But I want to share this one passage of Scripture with you, and, it, and I hope that this resonates with you, honestly, for the rest of your life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says it this way. And, and honestly, if you don't get anything else from the rest of this message, get this. Take this home. Paul told the Ephesian church, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Say masterpiece. You feel like a masterpiece? I saw some this and I saw some this. Are there days when you feel pretty good about what God's doing in your life? Yeah, and there are days you look in the mirror and you're like... Look at that word masterpiece. If, if, you, if you love the King James Bible, and just because you don't hear me read the King James Bible a lot doesn't mean I don't love it because I do love it. The King James word there is workmanship. You're God's workmanship. And we get that, both of those words, workmanship and masterpiece, we get it from a Greek word that I love. It's poema. There's your Greek word for the day, poema. Guess what word we get from that? Poem. See, what, what Paul's trying to tell us is that you are God's work of art. See, he didn't create you just as some utilitarian being, you know, like, like the guy that created the hammer, right? That was, a, that was a great tool, and we need them, right? But that's, that's not what his workmanship is. It's creating a priceless, beautiful work of art in you. And the enemy has told you otherwise. So I just want you to grasp that thought today. That not only who you are. See, he told you you're a masterpiece, but then he told you the why you are. Because he created you brand new. That's week two when we said, talked about his redemption and forgiveness. He created you brand new. Why? Why? There's always a why so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He's got stuff for you and I to do. And he's had them in his mind before you ever drew a breath. That before you ever drew a breath, he had things planned for you to do. Does that just, is that just me or does that blow your mind a little? That Christ, in his infinite wisdom, spoke purpose and meaning and workmanship and masterpiece into you before you ever drew a breath. I, I, I look around the room and I see, I, like, I, I look down and I see Kathy Maxey. And, and Kathy and I spend a lot of time together because she works here some. But God spoke a purpose into Kathy's life long ago and it was to be a warrior in the prayer room. Be a warrior, an intercessor. So it's not enough for you to just know who you are today. I want you to find out why you are and what God's called you to do. What God's put you on this planet to do. 
Because it really does matter. It really does matter that you have an idea why you're here. So let's start this by just, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You've got one life. Make it count. You've got one life. Make it count. I've, I've whined and complained for too much about how I feel because I'm getting a little older. And some of y'all that are older than me are like, you need to just hush. And I get that. But, but here's, what I'm, here's what I'm becoming well aware of. We get one shot at this deal. And whatever we're going to do for Christ, whatever we're going to do in this life, cannot wait. I, I told you, but I'll tell you again, there was this silt, not silly, but it was, it was this <laughs> yard sale looking sign that used to hang on my grandmother's wall. It was bright purple with gold glitter. But I'll never forget what those words said in it. As an eight-year-old, as a ten-year-old, I never understood it, but I understand it today. And it said these words, only one life. It soon will be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I just happen to believe that this morning. I just happen to believe that the only thing that you and I will ever do that is significant and eternal is what we do for Jesus. Is what we do for our Heavenly Father. All of our other efforts, even though they're important, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not telling you that our vocations, that our careers are not important because they are. But I'm telling you the only thing that's eternally significant is what we do for Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to last forever. See, I, I want us to grasp the idea and the difference between our calling and our vocation. Because the truth of the matter is, and this, this kind of pushes against my Pentecostal youth camp upbringing. Because here's what we would do every youth camp. Is we would have those that felt like they were called into the ministry come up on stage. Raise their hand. I'm in called into the ministry. And they were all on stage. And so what's that message sent? is that all these people are called and all these people are not. That is the wrong message. Because all of you, all of us are called. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because we all share the same calling. Everybody in the room, everybody watching online, everybody on the planet shares the same calling. And before we, now, now listen, the difference between calling and vocation, calling is why you're here, vocation is how you earn a living. Let, let me say it like this. 
my vocation is a pastor. We're going to talk about my calling because it's the same thing that everyone in this room shares. John Piper, if you're a John Piper fan, he, he says it this way, and, and this is what we're going to unpack today. He says, really, in order to live a significant life, in order to live an eternally significant life, you don't have to know a lot of things. You don't have to know a whole bunch. But you do need to know a few things. You do need to know and be known by a few things. You need to master and be mastered by a few things. Not a lot of things, but, but a few things. Those few things that capture us, that never let go of us, that's what will make our calling sure. That's what will make our life significant. That's what will make our existence on this earth matter. And for the most part, it has very little to do with how we earn our living. There's a problem. We, we want to answer that question, why am I here, with that very narrow context. That the why I'm here is what I do vocationally. Ask any guy, watch two guys meet each other for the first time. What's the first question they're going to ask each other? What do you do? It's how we define ourselves. We define ourselves by what we do for a living. And I'm going to tell you that while those things, our careers, our jobs, our vocations, are extremely important, and I would never say anything other than that, it's not your calling. <laughs> but you have one. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says it this way. Now, Paul is not talking to a room full of preachers. He's talking to the church. And he says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. And before you get really excited about the fact that God called you, listen to the next verse. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are, that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. We like, we like to boast in our calling, and I'm going to tell you that the beauty of God calling you and God calling me is he can take something that's broken and hurt and weak and use it for his glory. So please write this down. You have a calling. Maybe you want to write, maybe I gave you the blank wrong. Maybe it should say, I have a calling. Because you do. But how many know there's a big difference in knowing something and living something? There's a big difference in knowing why you're here and living it out. There's the, the knowledge of, of why you're here is trivial unless we walk it out. What did James say? Faith without works is dead. What happens? What happens when you and I 
recognize who we are and recognize why we are and then live it out. The word is transformation. That means you're transformed. The people around you are transformed. Our church is transformed. Our community is transformed. When just a group, a small group of people recognize the why we are here and then live it out. That's why I'm so excited about this this campaign that's coming up on October 17th. I want, you to, I want you to be there, and I want you to plug in, and I want you to be a part of this because it, it really just, just, just talks about this idea that what Christ came to do was to transform us, not because we could boast in our own transformation, but because we could point other people to the transformer. His name is Jesus, and if you'll let him, he'll transform every part of your life, and you need to be a part of this series. Start October 17th. October 17th. That was my shameless commercial. So John Piper said we need to know just a few things. So I'm going to give you four of those few things today. And we're going to unpack them. And we're going to learn what is it that we've got to know in order to make our life eternally significant. Truth is, we're filled with a lot of trivial information, aren't we? I, I know things that I shouldn't know. You, you know, Don and I'll be sitting at a restaurant, and a song will come on from the 1970s. And I'm like, tell me who it is. Tell me who it is. She's like, I have no idea. I know. I don't know why I know. Pro well, I probably know why I know, because I was riding around in my 1971 Mustang with my 8-track player cranked up. Y'all don't know nothing about an 8-track. Why do we know some of the things? You know, I was watching the Bulldogs yesterday, and I know way too much about football never to have, have played it on the field. I know you know so many trivial, temporary things. But what if we just knew a few, a few things that would transform our eternity? Here's four of them. The first one, write this down. I am called to know God and to make him known. Your greatest calling on the planet is to know God. Do you? Do you? Do you know Him? Do you know the God that spoke this world into existence? Do you know the God that is outside of space and time, who needs nothing from you, who, can, who is fine all by Himself, who can exist without your limits and can exist... Period. He is because He is. Do you know Him? You know about Him? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? I'm going to tell you that I don't know Him. but I'm in the process of knowing Him.
And listen to me, it is a lifelong pursuit. The only way you're ever going to truly know him is when you stare at him face to face. But what if we committed the rest of our lives to knowing him? Even though we'll never know him completely until we stand in his presence forever. But what if we committed the rest of our lives to knowing him? Before I'm concerned about knowing anything else, what if I just pursue Him and His glory and His majesty and His love and His mercy and His grace? What if that's, what if that's the, the greatest priority in my life? Because if you're a follower of Jesus and your life's been redeemed, then it is the greatest priority in your life. Before anything else, to know Him. And then... To want to see others know Him. I'm, uh, I remember when things like Facebook and Twitter were new. There was such a novelty. You know, it's so cool that, you know, you, you can connect with people that you haven't seen in forever. And, 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 and there's still that element. I'm probably going to regret what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. There are a lot of Christians on Facebook that are mean. And, and, and we do a great job, and I'm, I'll say we, so it doesn't sound so mean. We do a great job at pointing out the flaws in other people, and pointing, out, pointing out the, the inadequacies of other people. What if? What if our goal in this world wasn't for me to scan the crowd, to scroll my page and try to find somebody that wasn't quite measuring up as much as I am and just know God and then try to help somebody else know him? What if that's... Hmm. Jeremiah chapter 9 says it this way. This is what the Lord says. Oh, by the way, if you ever read that in Scripture, this is what the Lord says, you might want to pay attention. Just say it. This is what the Lord says. Okay, you have my attention. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Or the powerful boast in their powerful, in their power. Or the rich boast in their riches. Or the saved boast in their savedness. my little commentary but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things I the Lord have spoken if you're gonna brag about something you're gonna boast in something how about this? I know God. I'm working on knowing God, and I'm trying my best to know Him more and to love Him more and to serve Him more. I know God. (laughs) 
Some of you in the room are a little older than me. Maybe, maybe this thought is passed in your mind. You know, I'm done. I've run my race. I've, I've laid the groundwork. Others can follow. Don't you dare let the enemy rob you into believing that your time of significance on this planet is over. In fact, one of y'all shared this yesterday. And I loved it. And I told this person, I'm gonna, you're going to hear this tomorrow morning. A.W. Tozer says, if God gives you a few more years, remember it is not yours. Your time must honor God. Your home must honor God. Your activity must honor God. And everything you do must honor God. That is our first and highest calling. We bring glory to our Maker. I'm called to know God and to make Him known. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's your calling? I am called to know God and to make Him known. Do you believe that? Do you like that? You won't like this one. The second calling is I am called to die. Truth be known, that that sort of message doesn't, doesn't resonate with our culture. Even in our current Christian culture. Because what a vast, not a vast majority, but a large part of our current Christian culture, what you're called to is abundance and increase and wealth and health. And that's not in the Bible that I read. What I read is that I'm called to lay my life at the foot of the cross in humble surrender and surrender my life. Galatians 2 and 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm... uh, I love my life. I love my church. I love my job. I love my friends. I adore my family. But of late, here's what I've become well aware of. That the only reason I have any of that, the only reason that I I feel like I'm living this rich, full, abundant life, the only reason, it's not because I know a lot of stuff, and you guys that know me know that's true. The only reason that I'm enjoying full, rich, abundant life on this planet is because one day I laid my life down at the cross and Jesus redeemed me and he raised me up and made me a brand new man. And listen, that's the greatest death you can die. Because the life I have now is so different than what I had before I chose to lay my life down. Galatians 6 says it this way, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which, listen, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Your calling 
The reason you're here is to lay your life down. Nobody likes to hear that. But I need you to know that's your calling. To lay your life at the foot of the cross in exchange for the life Jesus has offered you. And I need you to listen to this part because here's what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I did that at vacation Bible school when I was nine. I did that in Sunday school when I was 15 and the teacher had the flannel graphs on, you know. Let me pull something from a couple weeks ago. Luke said, Jesus said in Luke, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Does that mean that tomorrow morning I, I lay my life, my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my thoughts, my efforts, my energies at the foot of the cross and say, here, they are yours, you do with them as you will. The answer to that is yes, and that's your calling. Your calling is to live a life of complete surrender to the mastery and lordship of Jesus Christ. And we don't like to hear that. You can say you do, but we don't. We don't like to hear that. I'm, nobody in this room likes to be told what to do. Especially me. I don't like to be told what to do. I don't. It's part of my, I don't know what kind of personality you would call that. I just don't like to be told what to do. You know what? If you ask me to do something... I will, I will run through a plate glass wall for you. If you ask me, but don't. Don't order me. You with me? So the idea of surrender, the idea of laying our life down willingly doesn't come natural to us. That's why it's a lifelong daily pursuit. I'm called on Sunday the 26th of September to die. To surrender this day, this life, this moment to the Lordship of Jesus. This day, right now, this day, today. And then tomorrow to do it all over again. I'm called to die. Why would we do that? I, I guess we could flip that question around. Why would God send His only Son for me? I have two amazing sons. I, the, the older they get, the more proud of them I am. And I want you to know something. I love you passionately. But I can't think of one of you that I'd give my son for. I love you. And listen, I'd, I'd probably take a bullet for you. But I wouldn't give you my son. And if that speaks to my level of holiness, then so be it. But I'm just being real. I, no, I wouldn't trade my son's life for yours. But that's exactly what God did. Why would he do that? How could 
He do that because He's God and His love, unlike mine, is perfect. And so here's what He's asked in response to that great act of love and selflessness is for you and I to do the same, to surrender our life in response to what Jesus has done and what His Father has done. And, and that's the way that looks like is not you and I crawling up on a cross. Because that work's been done and it's finished. Are you glad that the work of the cross is complete and you don't have to die and you don't have to shed your blood? So what he's asked us to do is to give him our 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this planet and back in return and say, God, do with my life what you will. I'm called to die. Listen, I've, I had a lot of plans for my life. I was going to be a major league baseball player. I was. And then I found out I couldn't hit a fastball. Most Major League Baseball players can. I had a lot of plans for my life. I had a lot of plans for what, what my career, what my future was going to look like. And thank, listen, I, I don't want you to take what I'm getting ready to say as Dwayne dislocating his shoulder, patting himself on the back because the only, and it's been 40 years, y'all. It's been 40 years. I, I can't believe that. But saying yes to Jesus that day and every day that I've chosen to do that since is the right way to live my life. And it's the right way for you to live yours. It's the, listen, you want to talk about your best life? Now listen, we, we, we hear... We hear all of this stuff about our culture, about how if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be peachy and keen and awesome. And I'm going to tell you that it may not. Read, read people like Watchman Nee. If, if you don't know who Watchman Nee is, go home and Google him. And read the fact that because of his passion for Christ, he lived a great part of his life in a cesspool in prison in China. And all he would have had to do is to renounce his faith in Jesus. And he said, no, he's done too much. I'll live in this slop because I know this world is not my home. And one day I'm going to stand face to face and I'm going to see him. And y'all, we're just not there in America. We're just not there. But there's, we better get there. We've got to get past this. I'll follow Jesus until it inconveniences me. I'll, get, I'll follow Jesus until he asks something of me that I'm not willing to give. Don't you want to stand in his presence? And look at him face to face and say, I wasn't perfect, but I gave it all I had. I, le I left it all there. I, I did all I could do in my pursuit of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Don't you want to be able to stand face to face with your Creator and hear Him say, well done. And I think about all the things, all the stuff that I've chosen in front of Him over these last 40 years. And it, it makes me cry. So my resolve and what I hope yours is, is today. Today is yours. My life is yours. My money is yours. My home is yours. Everything I have is yours. I just want to see you face to face. You are my highest calling before anything else on this planet, before my job, before my family, before my enjoyment, before my pleasure, before anything else on this planet. You are my highest calling and bringing you glory and lifting your name high is why I'm on this earth. All of the other stuff is trivial in light of who you are. I'm called to die. The third thing that we need to know is that I'm called, you are called, to make Jesus famous. It seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, he is the most significant human personality that's ever walked the planet. Most people know who Jesus Christ of Nazareth is was they know about him they know historically i mean we we split our calendar by him we it just seems especially of late and maybe it's our fault Maybe the church has dropped the ball and we've tried to make us famous and we've tried to bring glory to our buildings and to our pastors. We've tried to bring glory to our programs and our plans and our mission. I'm not guilty of that. Can I tell you where I'm at today? I could care less if you know my name. But I sure would like you to know his. I sure would like you to be intimately acquainted with Jesus. What if that was our calling? Just to make Jesus famous. And, and I get what you're thinking. You're like, what, what am I supposed to do, quit my job? No, exactly the opposite. But what if we did our job with that goal in mind? To, so you're saying, Dwayne, that I'm supposed to, to, to witness to everybody I come in contact with? Maybe, but maybe not. What if you just, because of the love of Christ that is in your heart, what if you just let that spill out day to day? What if we talk more about Jesus than we whined about what's going on in, in the re, with the rest of our world? What if, we, what if we cared more than we complained? Maybe that's the best way to say it. Most, many of you know I, I spent a large part of my 
early adult life in the office machine industry. And so what I did several times a day would walk into an office and repair printers, copy machines. I worked for one company that, you know, if you pay us $100 an hour, we'd fix a Pepsi machine. We'd do whatever. And the, the nature of that industry is people typically don't call us and go, hey, our equipment's working great. We just wanted you to know. They call when something's broken and we can't get there fast enough. And so we walk in and there's usually a hustle and a bustle because it's not working and we need it to work. And, and uh, I, I remember this, this, we went to a lot of churches. And, and even after we planted this church and I was a, I was a lead pastor. I, I didn't announce that when I walked in the door. I'm here to fix your copy machine, and oh, by the way, I can perform a wedding and a funeral if you need me. Not how I did that. So I, I, uh, I remember this one particular service call. I went to a, uh, went to a church, and I was trying to help the pastor who was there by himself understand that the problem that they were having was in the way they were operating the machine. And I didn't want to say, this is really all your fault, but it was really all his fault. Okay? Just, and I was trying to very politely and graciously help him be able to operate the machine so he could get his bulletins ran. And so as I'm explaining this, he said, let me stop you. I don't have time to talk to you. I've got to write a sermon. And what I really wanted to say was, well, you know, after I get done fixing your copy machine, I've got to go home and write one myself. But I didn't say that. I wanted to. I said, okay, sir. As I got in my car, I thought, I sure am glad I know Jesus. Because had I not and heard that, I'd have wanted nothing to do with his God. And I'll contrast that with a service call I went to in the late 80s, um, Roswell Street First Baptist Church, a guy by the name of Dr. Nelson Price. Anybody remember that name? A couple of you do. So I'm huge church, and I'm, I'm on my knees working on this copy machine, and I don't, you don't, most of you probably don't remember Dr. Price, but he's, he was a very tall man, had this booming voice. And I heard him go, well, hello there, young man. Hello? He said, are you helping us with our equipment today? And I said, yes, sir. He said, and he looked me eyeball to eyeball. Thank you so much for what you're doing to help us. I'd want to know his God. Right? How many know that you can be, and, and maybe that, that mirror that we had set up where Don and Kelly were looking at each other, maybe you can reflect the image of God and never have to say a word other than thank you. Can we make Jesus famous by just letting him fix our attitude? Can we make Jesus famous by just letting him work on, on our disposition? Can we make Jesus famous by just making that part of our calling a priority when we go into the, the world and we, and we interact? And I don't, I'm stumbling on my words because I, I, I'm just so 
I'm blown away that we should even have to say this. If we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, our greatest calling ought to be to reflect His love to a lost and dying world. If we really believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody goes to the Father except through Him, then we ought to want to reflect His love and grace to a lost and dying world. And we ought to want to lift high the name of Jesus in the way we live, in the way we spend our money, in the way we interact with people, in the way we pump our gas, in the way we pay for our groceries, in the way we shop at Kroger. We ought to want to reflect the love of God in every way we live and make Jesus famous. Paul said to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 5 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. You're his representative on this world. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Our calling is to know God and make Him known. To die to this life in exchange for the one that He's offered. To make Jesus, and here we go, I am called to serve. Jesus said it this way. Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Paul told the Corinthian church, whatever you do, if you're a plumber, if you're a truck driver, if you're a teacher, if you're a carpenter, if you're a pastor, he said, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. If you're here in week one, I showed you this exact Coke Zero bottle. This exact one. It has been in my refrigerator in my office for most of the time. Actually, it sat on that front row for a week or so. This one. And I told you that Dr. Pemberton created this over 100 years ago. Or he didn't create this. He created the Coca-Cola formula that became the Coke Zero formula. And it was initially created as a tonic, but became a soft drink. And, you know, and I will tell you that it does make you feel better. But I also read that, do you know, you can, you can do a lot of things with a Coke Zero. You know that if your windshield gets iced over, you can use a Coke Zero to, to melt the ice? Did you know that? Um... You can use this to clean jewelry. Did you know that? Do you know that you can use this to clean a toilet? And it works very well. But I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. What if Dr. Pemberton saw his creation being used to clean a toilet? I wonder how he'd feel about that. I wonder how God, our Father, when He sees us wasting our lives on trivial pursuits, feels. You got one life. Make it count. Now, now here's the interesting thing about this Coke Zero bottle. Is 
It's in the exact same condition, except for it being a little bit cooler than it was when I showed it to you three weeks ago. But, but watch what's going to happen. You hear that? The clock's ticking. See, now that I've broken that seal, there's going to come a point when its usefulness is gone. When you breathe your first breath, the clock started ticking. And you've got one life. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Make it count. Bow your heads. I, I hope I get the response that I'm, I'm hoping for right now. Are you here and you just say, Dwayne, I, I want my life to count. Just throw your hand in the air. Me too, y'all. I'm not going to tell you that the way to make your life count is for you to go back to college, earn another degree. If, if that's, if that's in, in your heart, I would celebrate that. But I'm, it's probably not how you're going to make your life count. Maybe you're here and you say, uh, I, I want to start fresh with a brand new career. And I applaud that. But at the, at the end of the day, that's probably not, not what's going to make your existence eternally significant. What's going to make your existence eternally significant is to know God, to make Him known. To lay your life down at the foot of the cross to live your life in order to make Jesus famous and to serve this world with the love of Christ. Listen, if you'll do those four things, even, even if you start today, if you'll do those four things, when your time on this earth is long gone, here's what will happen. The ripples of your life will reverberate through generation after generation after generation. I believe that with all my heart. So we're going to pray together. And here's what I would ask you to do. If you're in the room and, and today the Holy Spirit's just revealed some things that you need to die to. Maybe it's habits and addictions and all that stuff. Maybe it's just attitudes and actions and hurts and resentments from, from the past. I'm going to tell you to lay those things at the foot of the cross and leave them there. Maybe you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Die today. Today. God, I give you my life. It is yours. Forgive me my sin. I turn from them. I believe your son Jesus is the savior of the world. Save me. And if you've never done that today, it would be a great day. If you're here, if you're watching online, wired you and, and do something get bit make it count start now
Don't, don't waste another day. Live today and tomorrow to make God known and to know Him well. To die to myself, to yourself. Serve others. Make Jesus famous. Father, in Jesus' name, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Not just because you've told us who we are, but you've told us why we are. And God, before we can fill in the, the other questions of our lives, before we can fill in the, the what do I do for a living and who do I marry and where do I go to school, and before we answer any of those questions, before where do I retire, where, what house do I buy, what car do I buy, before we answer any of those questions, we've got to check those first four boxes that we talked about today. Before I worry about any of the other stuff of my life, I've got to know that I'm knowing God and I'm making Him known and that I'm serving Him and that I'm making Jesus famous and that I've laid my life, my plans, my hope, my dreams at the foot of the cross. That's, I can't go to the what's next until I've checked those boxes. So God, today I pray that we'll check some of those today. And as we leave this place, we'll leave in awe and wonder creator God who loved us. Mm. How about you do this just in the, the last couple minutes of our time together. As you're in this attitude in, of prayer, would you just worship? Would you just in your own way just tell Jesus how much you love him? Tell your heavenly father how much you appreciate him for his goodness and grace just brag on Jesus. We've asked him for some stuff this morning, I know, but what if we just lifted high his name today? We love you, Jesus. You're awesome. in pursuit of you. And God, as we learn to know you, would you help us to make you known? And God, we surrender our lives today, individually and corporately. We lay our life at the foot of the cross saying, God, take our lives and do with them what you will. We will listen to you and do what you say. And I pray that as we leave this place in just a couple minutes, wherever we go, when we go to our jobs tomorrow or this afternoon, or we go to a restaurant, or we go to a grocery store, or we go to a sporting event, or we go to a school, God, would we live lives that make Jesus famous? God, I don't want to do anything that would put a, a disparaging mark on the name of Jesus. I only, only want to live a life that exalts Him and lifts Him up. Help me to do that. And God, we commit our life to serve You serve your people, to serve your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you offer with me an ovation of praise to our Heavenly Father for His goodness? Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great, great, great afternoon. I do want to share one other thing before I let you go. 
If you'd like to get one of these books for our upcoming series, they're $15. If you just put them on your connection card, I want a book. I'll make sure you get one. We're going to order a few, uh, but, but we want to make sure that we have enough for everybody. Um, I, I promise you, you want that. I'm not going to keep more of your time, but you want the book. We just trust me. You want the book. It's $15. If you say, Dwayne, I don't have $15, I'll cover you. Just say, I want a book. All right. God bless. Have a great afternoon.